So over the next few weeks, we are embarking on a new series. We never really quite know too far in advance. There are some churches and whatever, they, they, they plan their year out. Uh, so they know exactly what subjects are going to be teaching when, that kind of thing. That, we're not for a moment suggesting that's wrong, uh, not in the slightest, and, and all good speed to them. But what we do is we tend to say, what is God currently saying? And try and kind of cooperate with that. Um, so God can work through plans and uh, doing it in advance. That's all fab. But So we don't always know. Sometimes we don't know until like the next one starts. Oh, I think this is going to be a series. Oh, good. Yeah, this is good. Um, so this series is entitled The Family. And it's not really about um, your, your nuclear family at home, not that sort of family, but more God's family. So we've got a few sessions. We've got today's, which obviously I will tell you about in a minute. Next week, the family welcome. How do you actually become part of God's family, God as a dad? So this is all about questions about how we relate to God as a father and how do we actually even become part of the family. The following week, the family behaviour code. What is expected of us? You often hear the expression about, well, that's not very Christian-like behaviour. Oh, well, you're not really acting like a Christian. And actually, how are we supposed to act? What is our behaviour code? Um, still come, but the answer is honour. We are bound by honour. That is how our relationships network together. The following week, or we've got a couple of um, uh, worship fests in these, but uh, the family joy. What is the joy um, of being in the family of God, having said some kind of yes to him? Um, what is that joy? I mean, you, some of you, by the look of your faces, you need to ask yourself. What? <laughs> What is the joy? Oh, yes, it's good news, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, I think I owe it to find out. So, um, again, Chris, I think, is doing that one. Um, the family inheritance. So you're part of the family. What are the perks? Uh, to put it bluntly. Um, doesn't actually word it quite like that. Not even in the Passion Translation. But anyway, it, basically, that is what, what is what comes with that package. The family business. In John chapter 6, in the New Testament, the disciples said, what are we supposed to spend our time doing? And Jesus said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one whom he sent. And um, we're going to be talking about actually what are we supposed to spend our time doing as Christians? Um, so we're going to be looking into that. And then lastly, the last one of it, the family longing. What is it that if, you're, if you have said a yes to Jesus and you're in that relationship with the Father, then... What is the longing of our hearts? And it is obviously to see God's kingdom come fully and, and it's an ache and there's a feeling of homesickness sometimes and whatever. Today, it's a little introductory one uh, and I will do my best to wrap up by quarter two. Um, so that will be a miracle, but we'll try. And it's this. At the heart is the Father's heart. At the heart is the Father's heart. Let me read this to you. This is from Matthew. See this, and when you pray, this is Jesus speaking, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your father already knows what you need before you even ask him. I'm going to come back and carry that on in one moment. 
But there's a couple of interesting parts in here that if you've ever read the Bible before, you've heard this before, it just sounds ordinary, but it isn't. And it's this. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. When you pray, not if. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father in heaven. So what it's trying to say is not... It's not trying to make a rule. This is what man does, right? This is, this is the way our brains work. We, we make that into a rule. If, if I pray, I have to go into a room and I have to close the door. It's like your prayers don't work until the door. If the door's ajar, your prayers still don't work. Door shut. And now I can pray. That's not the point of what Jesus is saying at all. Of course, we, common sense tells you that. He is saying you don't pray to be grandiose in front of others. You pray because you want a heart connection with then your father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't, be like, don't keep on babbling like pagans. They think they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need. Your father. Now, this was, we just hear this. Yeah, yeah, we know this. We've heard this. Yeah, but you don't understand because we weren't there at the time. God wasn't father God was the one who you couldn't go anywhere near, who Uzzah in the Old Testament, Uzzah, however you want to pronounce it, you know, touched the, the, the presence of God or even just the, the um, cart that was carrying the presence of God dropped down dead. I mean, this is, this is the, the God almighty, the God incredibly powerful, often misunderstood, but he is that God. And here comes Jesus and he starts calling him Papa. And just blithely referring to him, father knows what you need. Dad knows. Papa knows. Uh, I'm sorry. This would have been startling, absolutely startling to the listeners. And it was first mentioned, we have this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. That's a made up thing. But for about three chapters in Matthew, there's lots of Jesus's bits of teaching that apparently he taught on a mountainside. And it does say he went up on a mountainside. Um, so, of course, we've made it the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but it's just basically he was up a hill. And so the first time it gets mentioned, he uses the word father to describe God, is when Jesus says, so we, um, you're to be salt and light. And if you're light, then you're not meant to be put under a bushel, which has got nothing to do with bushes. You're not meant to be put under a bushel, but instead you're supposed to be on a hill so you can shine and bring glory to the Father. The fa did he say father? Did he say father? I'm sure I heard him say father. To the father. This was radical. This was new. This was not a way that people related to God other than Moses, David, Solomon, and a couple of other the good kings. This was new. So this is what happens. Jesus carries on. It's still all in red. It's still Jesus speaking. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, and we all know it, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, or thy kingdom come, if you want to go old school, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, etc. Often called the Lord's Prayer. It's not the Lord's Prayer. It was really meant to be the disciples' prayer. He was trying to teach people how to pray. And he wasn't trying to teach us, you have to say these words like a mantra. He was trying to model these are the things, this is, this is a way to pray. This is, this is how we start. Very first thing, our Father in heaven. 
just to make sure we're not talking about our earthly father. We're praying to our father in heaven. Awesome to be revered, incredible, wonderful is your name. And your name doesn't mean your name. It means your office. You, so you start when you pray, Father, you are amazing. You are incredible. We love you. We love your faithfulness. We love your mercy. And you're praying to the Father. Now, you and I, both people, various have, at times, we've prayed to Jesus. That's okay. That's okay. They're pretty good at passing messages on. It's absolutely fine. But the, the aim really is that we are invited into a relationship. That's what praying is about. So you think you've got your list of stuff. But actually, what I love in this bit here is Jesus effectively says, there's nothing wrong with your list of stuff, but you don't need to go through your list of stuff because he knows what you already need anyway. How wonderful is that? We're not going before a God trying to beg stuff out of him, but we're going to a dad who already knows and understands us anyway. He knew what we were going to say in that moment of praying before the world was even created. And before you start thinking, yeah, but we got free will. Yeah, but he knew you were going to change your mind to outsmart him. And we have a dad who listens to us. We have that father who listens. James Jordan, a guy who leads Father Heart Ministries, says this. God loves you and wants you to live in the continuous experience of him loving you. God loves you and wants you to live in the continuous experience of him loving you. That's what he wants. That's why prayer is just simply a connection. It's just a connection. It's just pausing for a moment with him, just enjoying him. Do you know, to pray, sometimes you don't even have to speak. You don't even have to speak. But there is a bit of confusion sometimes around God and Jesus. Some people think they are literally the same. But it isn't really true, and it's really come from a, a misunderstanding from um, where Jesus is in a bit of dialogue with his disciples. And this is in the book of John, a few books further on. And Jesus says this, he says, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. So when it often gets almost misquoted as if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are one and the same. But that's not what Jesus says. And if you actually just read around that, you realize, oh, that's not actually what he's saying. He's saying we're that. We are one, yet we are two. Yet, well, we're one, really. But no, we are two. But we're kind of one. Because they live with that measure of intimacy and closeness. So they definitely are Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, as I say, if we've prayed to Jesus, it's okay. It's, it's, not, it's not a biggie. This isn't about who do I pray to? Oh, no, I found out I've been doing it wrong all this year. That's why my prayers didn't get answered. I was praying to the wrong person. It's, that's not it at all. The point is, prayer is inviting us into that relationship, and that is with the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Derek Prince, um, who used to be in the military and became a Bible teacher, gone to be with the Lord now, he says this, we have become stuck on the way. We have become stuck on the way. We have come to Jesus, but we haven't stepped beyond Jesus into an intimate relationship with the Father. Just let that sink in for a minute. We have come to Jesus. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We've come to Jesus. But Derek Prince says we got stuck on the way. It's great that we've encountered Jesus, but Jesus was always pointing beyond himself. It's the Father. It's Father. I love Father. I love to do his will. I love just resting in him. I love knowing what he thinks of me. This is my own dear son with whom I am well pleased. Look out for a dove from above because that's what he thinks of you. That's what he thinks of you. And this is, it was, the, it was a joy. The father's love was such a joy to Jesus. It was his place of abiding. He would go off early. He would get up early just because he had to be with dad. He would pull all nighters with father. And I don't mean, oh, half night of prayer. It's not that. It's like, I can't go to bed. I'm just not ready to go to bed. I just need to spend more time with father. St. Augustine of Hippo, believe it or not, 4th and 5th century, he was around. He was a, a theologian, uh, a philosopher, and a bishop. Um, a clever guy by all accounts. He said of, the, of this whole Bible, he said, it does nothing but tell of God's love. This is the message that supports and explains all the other messages. He went on to say this. If the written word of the Bible could be changed into a single phrase and become one single voice, this voice more powerful than the roaring of the sea would cry out, the Father loves you. That's it. An brilliant man, a theologian, a philosopher, a bishop, a Catholic, sums the Bible up. Father loves you. You. That's a great understanding of the Bible. And if ever we're reading the Bible and we don't see how Father is loving us, then we need to ask for a greater revelation and understand. So I believe that God is looking to invite us this year. He is inviting us to know him more as dad. I mean, what would this look like for you? I have, and you do, insecurities. We have fears. We can have a lack of joy. We can have an absence of freedom to truly express ourselves. We can always see the worst. We can bring down others. We can live a life of criticism. Do you know, all these are symptoms of living like an orphan. I'm calling it what it is. It's living like an orphan. They're all symptoms that we haven't really encountered dad and live in a place of abiding like he longs for us to. Not because we have to, but because where else would I go? Not being able to honour other people. Not honouring authority and leadership. Trying to prove yourself, make a name for yourself. Sometimes even the other way, trying to not be noticed, trying to hide away. Oh, it's just little old me. It's just nothing. Oh, it's nothing. It's nothing. All symptoms of living like an orphan. 
It's orphan thinking. And Father God says, let's ditch some of that this year, shall we? Not by straining. I've got to get rid of orphan thinking. But by coming to him, by coming to him, that is all. Now, for many people, they struggle with relating with God as a dad. Sometimes Jesus is a bit easier. He's brother. And that's a little bit easier for some. And actually, if you haven't had a brilliant relationship with your father, then you will probably struggle to relate to father in heaven. Now, I've spoken before about this for me, and it remains very true. But I'm reading a book at the moment, which has brought in something where God just went, bam, like that. Whoa, wow, what? Never even seen that. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, I kept saying. And it's this. You're never going to be able to relate to God as a father until you know and learn how to be a son or daughter. And what has happened for many people is because of how their fathers have been, their own heart as a son or as a daughter has been closed off. And if not entirely closed off, then partially closed off. And if your heart is closed off as a son or daughter, then you're not going to be able to be a son or daughter and know God as father. Like, know him as, yeah, no, no, I know he's my dad. But we all know, even just from earthly dads, right, there's a big, huge difference between being biologically connected to a father and knowing him as a father. This isn't religious stuff. This is relational, entirely relational. And until we, we need to learn, it's a challenge for me. Like, oh my goodness. Oh my, yes, I can see that. I can see that. And, and uh, this book carries on and, and speaks of some of the sort of process of, of learning how to be a son again or a daughter again. And what it says as it gets about halfway through the book, um, I didn't say this in the first service, perhaps it's with someone here because I've already read it. Um, but as it gets to the end, it says, you will know God's touch. You will know the Father's touch. You have probably even encountered the Holy Spirit. You see these glimmers of what Father is like, but you haven't known how to abide, how to stay in that place, how to let that place feed you. And I thought, that's me. I recognize me in these pages. I've got to learn how to be a son. And then once I'm learning how to be a son, I'll be able to know him as father in the way that I long to. The biggest single problem in the entire world is orphans. And many of you in here have hearts that are still Orphan wired. Now, that may offend you. You have two options get over it or don't. But the early church, well, not the early church, sorry, the um, uh, church leaders at the time, church leaders, they were offended when Jesus said this stuff as well. How dare you? Our father is Abraham. Effectively, we know our ancestry, we know who our father is. Jesus is saying, no. <laughs> yeah. 
you've totally missed it. It's not about knowing he is dad. It's about knowing him as dad. It's about knowing him as dad. When you see someone who's got an incredible relationship with their dad, that person changes when dad walks in the room, don't they? Something, okay, Nick's agreeing with me. That's excellent. Something happens when dad walks in the room. Suddenly your identity becomes set in place, like in a good way. I know who I am. And your dad, if he's a good dad, your dad spends his time reinforcing, this is my son, this is my daughter. I adore them, I love them. This is what God does. I just adore them. Look at them. Aren't they amazing? Aren't they beautiful? Gabriel, look. Look at him now. Understanding God as dad and knowing him as dad, it's the place where we become most alive and fully free. We become the absolute best of who we were designed to be. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to just keep catching glimpses of God as a father. I want to know him vitally every second of every day as Papa. I used to know a guy who'd say, he's God Almighty, not God Almighty. If you respect God and love God in the way you do, the way that you were invited to, then God will never be your mate He's not trying to be your mate. He wants to be your dad. He wants to be our dads. He wants this year, 2019, to be a year where the orphan fades and the son and daughter grows. And he's inviting us all into that. In wrapping this up, I felt God ask this question. Do you want to know me as dad? That's his question to you for 2019. There's not much you can do to make that happen other than say yes and cooperate. And you'll find that many times, it was interesting, after the first service, I ended up praying for four, five people. Every single one of them, I had the same picture. Every single one. And it was this, that God, as a dad, was saying, you come in? Oh, God. A bit nervous. And he just says, you come in? I've got you. Let's do this together. I've got this. And we know it's okay, because it's dad. Let's stand and... Um, we're going to quickly pray. I would ask who wants to know him more as dad, but I figure everyone in here should. And if you don't think you do want to know him more as dad, then I don't think you've ever really met him. Well, that was blunt as well, wasn't it? <laughs> you can listen to that on the recording and let that one sink in. I don't think you would ever get to the place in exploring God's goodness and his faithfulness and his mercy and his kindness and his gentleness and his strength. You'd never get to the place where you think, yeah, I've seen enough. Ah. If you think you've seen enough, you haven't met him yet. Make 2019 the year that you meet him. Can you imagine what transformation would be in your life, let alone 
in this town and in, the, in our immediate families if we know him as Father. So I'm going to pray for us and we are going to wrap up. Father, we want to leave behind our insecurities, our lack of self-worth, our pain, our self-doubt, all those things. And we feel you stretching your hand out to us and saying, are you coming? That God, you could do this stuff on your own, but you say, no, I'd, I want to do it with you. And God, we are so sorry for where we think like orphans and we just, we haven't let you as a father into that part of our lives. And where we struggle to call you father or papa or dad because of either religious baggage or hurt in the past or something, pray, Father, 2019 is the year that that stuff is dealt with. But Father God, I wonder, as that song used to go, how I managed to exist without the knowledge of your parenthood and your loving care. And that knowledge is a heart, heart knowledge. But now I am your son. I'm adopted in your family. I'll never be alone. Father God, you're there beside me and in me. And I will sing your praises. It's the only response we can possibly have. So Father, for everyone here, where that is their heart cry, and they say, yeah, I want that. We declare sonship and daughtership, if you like, over people for this year. That the orphan would diminish, would shrivel up and die. And sonship and daughtership would rise up. Thank you, Father God. We love you. We love you. Thanks for listening to our podcast today, and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.